Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of changemakers, making a difference on the planet. Making a di- making a di- Welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. And today I have with me the beautiful Laurie Harder. Hello, darling. Hello. I'm so excited to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for having us. I am very excited about this conversation. I know that we are going to share some amazing wisdom with everybody listening. Um, For those of you that don't know, Laurie is a transformation speaker. She's a coach. She's an author. We're going to hear all about her book shortly. Uh, She's a fitness expert, she's a cover model, she's also a podcast host and an entrepreneur. So Laurie, welcome to Kitty Talks. Ah, Thank you. I love having these conversations because I always love talking about what it actually looks like (laughs) for people who are starting. Well, this is it, exactly. And obviously, it's probably nice for you to be on the other side because usually you're you're my side, aren't you, doing my job? (laughs) Yeah, I was super excited about this. Yeah. (laughs) oh so i'd love for you just to explain a little bit more to our audience for people listening a little bit more about who you are and what you do in the world all right so who am i isn't that isn't that a big question (laughs) so i am uh like you said i i love to do fitness i have a fitness um membership i do a lot of different things online i used to own a gym um but really what happened is that turned me into more of a mindset um, wellness coach because I realized, and I'll go back to how I got into fitness in a minute, but I worked with so many women trying to transform their body that we could work out all day. I could teach them different meal plans, but if they weren't mentally ready to transform, then I could not, no matter how hard we worked out, no matter what we were doing, we could not get the body to change because emotionally they were not ready to change, right? They were committed to something else in their mind so after years of training women I was like I I am missing the biggest piece I could almost throw the fitness and throw the food out and just work on the brain space and create more change that way and it was such a huge shift in my business but the reason that I started in fitness was because that was kind of where I was at is um, I come from a really overweight family Um, my mom has four sisters they're all about 100 pounds overweight Um, my older sister is overweight. The whole fa- the whole family basically was on anxiety or depression medicine and overweight. So my whole life I heard, just wait, just wait. You're going to gain weight. You're going to get heavy. Uh, and I had 
I had struggled mm -hmm. with my weight as well. Um, so I was always on a diet. I went on my first diet at eight years old and I went through the fast free craze. I was on the Atkins diet. We did Weight Watchers. We were constantly, like I thought dieting was a way of life. We were always just off or on something. So mm -hmm. it was either like tons of pizzas and Coca-Cola or it was back on a diet on Monday. And I was just like on this vicious cycle as a teenager as well. So I probably had about anywhere from 15 to 20 extra pounds in me growing up. But back back then, that was like not, that was, you know, still a lot of weight for a teenager to have on. So for me, mentally, I just struggled. I felt really, I had really low energy. I always wondered why the other kids always wanted to go and play or go and do things. And I just wanted to sit around and eat food and watch TV. Yeah. And so I noticed because I started um, just taking long walks, like intuitively, even at a younger age in my teenage years, I just knew to start moving. So I started rollerblading and taking these long walks and just recording playlists, you know, and putting my cassette tape and my earphones on and just going for long periods of time. And what would happen during all that movement is I would hear what I had no idea was my soul at the time, but it was speaking to me, like, you're going to do big things or whatever the message was, you're you're supposed to do something with your life. You need to feel good, like get outside more, move your body. Um, so I started doing that more and more and started noticing that I felt better. I didn't feel depressed. I had more energy. I had lost some weight. And I started getting these downloads that later on somehow I was going to help people do it. In the meantime, I was caught in this vicious cycle still, you know, dieting, not dieting, depressed, feeling super high. So I was just back and forth all the time in my my family, as great as they were or are, doesn't support that lifestyle at all. They didn't understand. They didn't get the move. So for me, as soon as I was um, could get a gym membership, I went and got a gym membership and started really working out. And that's when I knew it just was, it was going to be my career later. I just did not know how. I had so much anxiety that that alone was keeping me from even uh, really connecting with people when I was homeschooled for high school. So as soon as I turned, um, I was in my mid twenties. Um, I had done a ton of odd jobs because like I said, I had a lot of anxiety and I just, it kept me from doing the things that I wanted to do the most. And mm -hmm. what ended up happening is I got married and my husband, um, had moved us around probably, it was like nine different times. And I just did odd jobs. And, you know, that that was my excuse for a long period of time was I'm supporting my husband. I'm just going to do these odd jobs. And then he ended up losing his job, which uh, then had us lose our house, our cars, all of this stuff. And I was like, I have to help the family out. And that's when I had to step in and just confront that anxiety and start making money for the family. So I started becoming a trainer. Finally, I became a personal trainer. <laughs> And that's when it really opened up. And that's when I started training women and realized that the shift had to occur in mind. And then I started doing all that self-development for myself. So it's an interesting pattern of, I got into the thing that I needed help with the most, yeah. became just fully um, immersed in it, fell in love with it, realized that it created massive shifts through movement and mindset. And that's really when I started uh, creating programs around it for women. Beautiful. And when you look back now, you mentioned that you had panic attacks and you had anxiety. Yeah. Can you see, can you explain to people like what, how, how that kind of manifested, what, what was causing that, you know, obviously you can yeah. probably understand it a lot better now. Yeah. So I think there was a couple things causing it. I think part of it was isolation. 
um, because I I find that when you have panic and anxiety, that it can kind of keep you away from other people, right? Because a lot of times it can manifest socially as well. Yeah. So whether you have anxiety about being in public or around people or that you're not good enough, you know, the underlying fear is typically people are going to find out that I'm not smart or people are going to think X, Y, and Z. We're manifesting these stories in our head. And I had a few stories going on. It was, um, it was, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I have nothing to offer. Um, and also I was raised really religious. So I was raised in a religion where we didn't celebrate holidays. Um, just a super strict religion. So what happened is it was always about being humble and just not drawing attention to yourself. So I associated attention with negative things, with not being spiritual or religious. So for me, I had things going on. So that might, you know, people might understand that if they're in a really, um, maybe they were raised really religious as well. So for me, it was, you know, stay quiet. Um, don't, don't try to be bold. Don't think that you're better than other people. And for anxiety, what was happening is I would feel like I was having a full-on heart attack when I was around other people or when I would maybe get attention or when conversation would be pointed towards me or when I would try to go for something a little bit more than I thought that I was capable of doing. Mm -hmm. So I ended up settling for the things that did not make me happy because when I went for the bigger things, um, it would just be full-on. I would get dizzy spells. I'd feel like I was going to pass out. Um, it was fully overwhelming in my body, like just complete takeover. So I'm, I'm just want to dig a bit deeper on that. Cause I think, you know, you obviously you've gone through that transition and you've now kind of broken that pattern and cycle, but for somebody listening who maybe they are suffering with anxiety and panic attack, like what advice would you have for them? So one of the biggest things, because it, it actually still comes up for me now, it's really interesting and it will always come up when I am trying to go to the next level always. It's like, as soon as I think I hit that up, you know, that upper limit, it's like, oh, your panic is gonna come back. It just recently came back for me before I just, I just did a TED talk and it came back right before that for about a month and it was attacking me in all of my comfort places. So it was attacking me in my ex, like my workouts, which is my safe place. My place is for me. I went and got a massage. I had a panic attack. I was like, what is going on? I haven't had these for years. So. Um, back to the question though, what, so what happens is you notice your mind will start going there and you get fixated on the story. So whatever the story of your panic is, it's, you know, it's, it's the, I'm not good enough. Oh my God, the panic is here. And that starts the panic attack. It's here again. What am I going to do? People are going to think I'm a freak. This can't be happening right now. No, no, no. And we're stuck in this cycle of it's happening. No, what am I going to do? And we're resisting it and we're pushing against it. So what I want you to picture what I picture is I'm in the ocean and this huge wave is coming and you believe it is going to take you under when something that I say about panic attacks is no one ever dies from a panic attack. So first of all, we have to remember that because it does feel like you're about to die. Mm. So, oh. you know, and that's what you feel like. You're like, this is it. This is the end. I feel like I'm just going to get taken down. So here's the wave instead of facing it and pushing against it and freaking out, what you're gonna do is you're gonna turn away from it and you're gonna focus on allowing it to wash over you and just either ride it or wash over you and just allow the feeling, because what happens if we stop resisting, we allow the feeling to take over and we just actually release the muscles in our body and in our face and in our mind, you're gonna feel that it's gonna, it's, it's gonna just move through your body a lot faster. Yeah, it wants to be felt, right? It just allow yourself to feel it and just pass through you. Yeah. And 
another big thing is I've learned to just call it out. Like if I've been on stage speaking and I feel that I'm like, okay, guys, we're all going to take a few deep breaths together and close our eyes because I really need this right now <laughs> because I'm feeling a bit panicky and I just want to get into my space. And people love it. They absolutely love it because honestly, yeah, so they honest. do. And they yeah. want to see that. Yeah. Um, and some other things is change your story. Like say, oh, here it is. That's okay. I know what it does. I'm going to feel it. And right after this, there's a calm. Mm. So right after that, after that big wave, if you allow it, there's a calm space. So I think it's more just saying, hi, I know you, I see you, I know what you do, I know this cycle, it's all good, I'm either going to call you out or I'm just going to ride it or I'm going to tell people I'm going through it. And the more that you can understand that it's just going to wash over you, that's it. Instead of, you know, if you face that wave, it is going to take you down, you're going to push against it, you're going to get in the world of sound, you're going to hook into the thoughts. And then I, I think of an empowering thought too, like whatever whatever that is. It's like for me, public speaking really started anxiety. So it was, I thrive during public speaking. I have fun when I'm public speaking. I feel most connected to God when I'm public speaking. And all of those things really help me attach to a new thought than the thought of, oh my God, I'm going down. <laughs> yeah, and that's such good advice because obviously like resistance, we hold, when we try and resist something, it persists, doesn't it? So like you're, what you're saying is, okay, if you feel it coming, just let yourself feel it. And let it wash through you rather than blocking it and actually making it kind of really manifest and really get worse. So, because it's a wave, there's an end to it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really intrigued because obviously you you kind of went from like like you said the family background, the genetics, the kind of overweight, using that to then going into your fitness journey. Like, did you have a kind of pivotal moment where you kind of really woke up and you thought, actually, you know, like this is what I'm here to do? Or has it been one foot in front of the other, you've just tuned in and you've slowly but surely found how you can help and serve people? It was definitely, I mean, it's interesting because you look back, you feel like there's a few pivotal moments, but there was one foot in front of the other that led you to the pivotal moments. Sure. It's been such a slow process. I think people, you know, look at everyone and they think it's quick, but if you look back, it's probably been three to five to eight to 10 years or more. So for me, you know, it really started, those shifts started uh, on the walks at a young age, so 12, 13 years old. Um, but even at eight years old, I remember feeling pain around it, around being overweight. But for me, what would happen is it was every time I'd go for a walk, I would notice that little voice of, wow, you're like, this world is bigger than you think. Just these little messages. Wow, you might be able to do more than you think. And the more that you can do the things that you tune into that, the more clear you're going to be. And for me, it was working out. So yeah. what did I do? I started working out more and I started to say, how could I make sure that I tune in all the time? And I really got into this fitness lifestyle of being curious about, okay, what are the people who are in fitness? What does their career look like? What is their why? What are they doing? And at a young age, I started reading fitness magazines and just reading everything that I possibly could because I wanted to immerse myself and surround myself with people thinking differently than I was thinking. So when you feel bad, tune into the people who are thinking the way that you want to be thinking, which is the people doing what you want to do. So from there, I started reading all of those all, all fitness magazines and saying, oh, these women are doing training or they're training other people. They either own a studio or something like that, or they're working at a gym or they're doing fitness competitions. And I was like, perfect. I'll do fitness competitions later on. I had no idea really what they were, where to find them, how to find them, how to train for them, if I could do them. 
And so I started just tuning into like these little messages of, of seeing what they were doing through the magazine. So one day I saw a camp in a magazine, it was a fitness camp. And I was like, I have no idea what a fitness camp is, but it seems like these people are doing it. Um, so I booked uh, a trip to a fitness camp. And after that, it was like, this is what I meant to do. I meant to do fitness competitions. So like I said, it's like one foot in front of the other, one step at a time, one day at the gym at a time, one magazine article at a time, one book at a time. And really it was years and years and years of, of, of reading and getting the knowledge and understanding like maybe I could do this. Seeing people who had not done it before take the first step. I don't know if you remember, um, there used to be an MTV show where they would transform people. Like they would take them to do different things. Like they'd set a goal to do a, a fitness competition or they'd set a goal to be a bodybuilder and they would take them on this journey and transform them. Mm -hmm. So one girl, do a fitness competition and I was watching it one day and I was like this girl is me she's never done it she's like a disaster right now like she has no idea what she's doing that's so me I can relate to her so I think it's helpful to see the people who start from scratch and really research their journey and go from there because it is so different than you think well, what I'm hearing from you, which is beautiful, Laurie, is you went towards what lit you up. Like you found that you had a passion and a purpose, you know, fitness for you was something that really attracted to you. And you went towards that. And then you surrounded yourself with people who were further along the journey than you. And obviously that had an impact and influence on where you are today. 100%. You have to. Mm. You have to. You will get, you will go back to the mentality that's mostly around. And I think that's really good advice for people listening because, you know, you and I both know who we surround ourselves with, with who we become, you know. So if you're listening and you've got an idea, an inkling what your purpose and your passion is, then go towards it. Surround yourself and immerse yourself in people who are in that area. Um, I love that you brought that up because it's, I think what people think is that they're going to have to let go of everyone in their life or maybe they feel that way right now, like it's very challenging. But as you can see, the people who were giving me the most challenging time about this new person that I knew that I was or the person that I knew I was meant to be was my family. Yeah, it often is. Yeah, and they weren't, you know, they didn't mean to not be supportive, but if I was successful, it meant that they could be successful and they didn't want to believe that because they were so hooked into that lifestyle. Mm. Uh, the cycle of eating, of the way that they were thinking, the negative thoughts, the hanging around, you know, people, low-level thought people. So what would happen is they wouldn't even know it, but they would pull me back in. It was, oh, you can't, you can't do that. Or, oh, isn't it hard? Oh, you, don't you want to just eat this with us? Why can't you ever just eat this with us? You're not any fun anymore. And when it's your family, how do you overcome and transcend if it's right in your home? So what happens is you, you, you can still love them. You can still be with them, but you might have to pull yourself out of what they're doing all the time. I, with my family, is similar because the, you are this person and you have this image. And if you break outside of that, it threatens things, you know? Right. right. So the thing is, you know, especially with what we're doing right now, we were just talking about it before uh, we started recording, but it was about just surround, you want to go to a new place. So you yeah. have to go surround yourself people who are in that new place mm. you can only go so far on your own you're going to yeah. just go back to what is easiest for you or what you're good at a lot of times we you know it, we can be so good especially once you start 
reaching a level, right? Or especially once you start reaching your goals, what happens is we can become so smart and so knowledgeable about what works for us that we can convince ourselves that doing the things that we're good at is enough, right? Like, oh, I can distract myself by going and doing another fitness competition, or I can distract myself by going and doing another program that I'm good at, or I can, when really you want to transcend and you want to go to the next level, it's easy to get distracted by the things you're already good at or the things that actually make you feel productive. When really maybe those aren't the places that you need to be anymore. You have to go leave that circle again. And that's where it, it turns challenging. And you really have to get out of where you're at and totally immerse yourself into something new. Hmm. And I'm, I'm intrigued. We, we, were, we were talking right at the beginning and you were saying that when you started training women, you obviously found that it is, it's in here rather than their bodies. Like what was, what was, you know, again, I'm asking for myself here as well. Like, you know, body-wise, like how did you get these women to be kind of meant like conquer this, you know, around their their weight, I suppose? Well, a lot, you know, it was it's what are you doing? What are you thinking the second that you wake up? Yeah. And what are you thinking majority of the day? If you really write down your thoughts, you're gonna people are shocked at what they're thinking about themselves, their body, the food that they eat. It's like, I can't do that. Oh, I'm doing it again. I'm so fat. I'm disgusting. Why am I doing this? These clothes don't fit. I'm so uncomfortable. Oh my God. I don't want to go to that event. That woman's going to be there. I look like crap. She looks great. I can't control myself. <laughs> I need to go back to the table again because I have anxiety and I'm going back to the things that make me comfortable. Oh my God. I want to feel good, but I have anxiety and food makes me comfortable. Like, you know, we do so many, it's just these, you look at these beautiful, powerful women, and these are some of the thoughts going through their head. Like, it's, we get so caught up in how we look, but a lot of how we feel is coming from the thoughts that we think. So what happens is it's just training that voice. It's Mm. just that voice in your head over and over and over. It's training that voice in your head the same way you train that voice to do this podcast training that same voice about your body the same way that you did about academics or whatever it was that you started to excel at and started to learn because it's always going to sneak in. It's always going to try to compare. It's always going to try to pull you back. So a lot of it is what can you do first thing in the morning to start replacing that voice with a loving, a loving mantra, a loving voice. What would you do right now if you loved the best? You have to act like you already love the vessel that you're walking around in. And you have to have such deep gratitude for it. So what I recommend for women is creating a gratitude practice the second their eyes open up around their body and just breathing in love and sending it to that body part that typically you hate on all day long and just really focusing on what it does, maybe holding it, maybe saying you're so grateful for it, maybe saying what it does and saying how it's been there your entire life and sending so much love to that body part and thinking if you already loved your body and everything about it, what would you do for it this morning? What would I do to nurture it? What can I do to send it more love? What can I do to support it? I'm so sorry I haven't supported you. I'm ready to support you. I'm ready to show up for you now. You've showed up for me for so many years. Having a real conversation, a forgiveness conversation. I'm ready to love you conversation. I'm ready to step in conversation. I'm ready to show up for you. It's really powerful. You have to make peace with it. 
You have to get clean or you're going to continue to sabotage it. You're going to continue to treat it like you hate it. That's what's happening. You're treating it like an enemy. Yeah, and it's fascinating, isn't it? Because, you know, where they say where we've got the most conversation is usually the area that we struggle in most. You know, so you yeah. might you might not have a lot of conversation. Money might just flow and just come for you. Uh, and you just take that for granted because you don't have loads of, like, inner chatter going on around it. But yeah. maybe with your weight, you do because you're, like you said, you're in this crazy conversation happening in your brain, basically. Yeah. And it's, it's recognizing what thoughts aren't serving you. So I know I know what would happen to me in this cycle was you almost, you can get stuck. You can get stuck in the morning. You can get stuck in the mirror looking at yourself. You can get stuck looking at the body part. You can get stuck thinking that if you negative self-talk your way or abuse your way or hate your way into thinking, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not, I'm not going to eat till eight o'clock tonight. And I'm going to, you know, just work out for four hours today. Like you cannot hate yourself then you can't abuse yourself into a loving relationship with yourself. So when you notice those triggers, when you're maybe walking by a mirror, if you're not ready to say nice things yet into the mirror, into your eyes or say, I love you wow, you're amazing. Look up, look into your own eyes and say, I love you and walk away. And that's it. Because if the mirror is a trigger, if shopping is a trigger, if certain things are triggers, you're going to need to just have a quick mantra to pull on and leave that situation. Mm -hmm. So don't go try on clothes that you know are going to be tight. Wear things that make you feel good until you're ready to have a loving conversation, trying something else on. But start avoiding the triggers. Start knowing yourself. Because self-awareness and everything, right? Self-development, mm-hmm. um, everything that we do is the number one way that you are going to get a, um, a hold on that area is self-awareness. So be really self-aware of your triggers around the negative self-talk in your brain. And when you can start to master all the points in your life where you're like, oh, I start to be mean to myself here. Okay, mm-hmm. what can you do here instead that would be loving? When you can get the opposing new amazing loving thought for each trigger you're going to notice that you have things to pull from you have those defense mechanisms you have these beautiful shields of self-love around you that you're going to notice your life will start to shift Mm. and one of the things i'd love to go deeper on is obviously we're talking you're talking we're talking about that inner voice you know and uh, kitty talks we're inspiring a generation of change makers to follow their passion purpose and make a difference on the planet and actually, we've got a few voices going on in there in our heads, basically. We've got this horrible voice. We've got a, hopefully an empowering voice. And then we've got our soul speaking to us as well. How do you, because again, you know, this path of transformation and this path where we're working in alignment with our souls is not a logical one. How do you create space or how do you kind of connect with your soul and how do you let that come through you? I love that we're talking about this because I just finished a book mm-hmm. and I tap into that space a lot. And I'm actually playing with this idea of surrendering a lot more. So I'm listening on repeat to um, the surrender experiment by Michael Singer. Have you read that? No, not yet. <laughs> so he basically lived this life um, since he was like, I think like 28 until he was until now, which I think he's in his fifties or sixties like surrendering to things that came his way. So wow. like letting go and seeing what life would bring him. So it's a whole experiment on his life. So it's just interesting how he explains it in that voice, listening to that voice in your soul. And so for me, um, you know, my soul speaks to me a lot in movement. 
and also clearing space. So like I was talking to you before, seven days straight of pretty much doing nothing. Now that feels almost virtually impossible for people to do, but more comes through in the time that you clear space than you do during the hustle. So I have to remember that though, because really, um, really type A people are people who love achievement, people who <laughs> yeah. love to, whatever that looks like, it's, it's an addiction, right? We get more addicted to the stress. So uh, what I've been saying is play is productive, which really helps me understand that going out and playing, going out and clearing space, going out and having that time, going out and moving without thinking I have to do anything that's actually more productive to me or for me than constantly being in the push, constantly being in the planning. Um, and, you know, when you feel that, it is so clear. I think your soul talks first, loudest, and most clear, but it's fast. It's like, boom, 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 bye. <laughs> it gets in, it gets out, it does its job, and then it's like, it's yeah. like boom. That's where we get confused, because we're yeah. like, well, if that was my soul, why, why can't I get that back here? You know, and, and you can, but it, it burns hot, fast, and it's quick. It's just like, hello, here I am. Here's your message. See you later. So, and the thing is, you can get a lot of those at once. And it's about finding the one that just was like a full body. Hell yes. I can't imagine not fulfilling that. You know, I can't die with that trapped inside of me and being committed to that. Like being so committed to whatever that message was and sticking with it for the long term, even when it's hard, even when the voice is gone, even when you feel like everything is bleak or this was a dumb idea, because whatever that thing was, because this is also what I want to say. Sometimes that thing that could, was a hot flash that you're like, yes, that was it. It might not exactly be the thing. It might be the thing that is meant to bait you yeah. to go on that journey. Next yes. Mm. So also, it's about following the space, but being open the entire time you follow. Mm. Because what happens is you might get something else that feels even hotter or, oh my God, I was meant to follow that because it brought me here because I'm enjoying this the most. Mm. So that's a huge thing is what are you enjoying? And another thing that was running through my head recently while I was really practicing this surrender is, those things along the way that you're enjoying most, what does it really mean to enjoy yourself? When I find something that I'm meant to do, it's not that I'm just enjoying it. I'm enjoying who I am in the process of it. Mm. So I'm really enjoying myself and who this thing is making me be mm. and who is out within me during this thing um maybe while you were following the thing you thought you were supposed to do mm. so it, this is where you know it, it can get so confusing or yeah. you can view it as this is so freaking fun yeah yeah and definitely fun on this crazy journey of i'm going down these twists and turns surrender let go and trust that is my yeah. total mantra at the moment and i think just to kind of go deeper on what you were saying, I think initially, you know, maybe when we're in kind of nine to five, more traditional jobs, it's so hard to connect to our soul because we're on this rat race. And I think if yes. you are listening and that is you and you don't have that time, then holidays are the perfect time, you know, create space, you know. And then, of course, you transition out of that and you have more space and you create a life where you can do your fitness and you can do your dog walks. And, you know, and that I find that's when I get the, 
you know, the drop in of, oh, was that, you know, that was my soul listening. Um, And it's not logical, you know, quite a lot of the time it doesn't seem logical, but like all the time it's making us grow into this human being that we enjoy and and quite often it's quite scary at the same time. (laughs) But I think it is surrender, let go and trust and it will come, it comes in. 100%. And I love that you just said that because a lot of people who are listening probably, they still have their nine to five and they're like, well, you know, I know that my soul speaks to me when I'm doing this, but I don't have time for this. What happens is you, number one, you can create small amounts of time because you can hear that in smaller amounts of time. You know, I took, there's a lot of days that I only meditate for five or 10 minutes, but I'll get something maybe after two or three weeks or a month or two months, but that little something is enough to tell you to make a small shift in your life. And that small shift is going to lead to bigger and bigger things because I had a nine to five too. And then I owned a studio. And during those times, it was all about the small shifts. How can I maximize my time in the morning or in the evening to, to be committed to that message or be committed to your soul? So just start saying, how can I be more committed to hearing that voice? Because it will guide you in a way that is totally shocking that you would not do on your own. Mm, no, I think that's really, really good advice. Like, I think start small and it's incremental, isn't it? When you're first starting on this journey, it's incremental little changes and little shifts that suddenly compound. And like you said, you know, we're you were sort of saying eight to 10 years. It's true. Like the the transformation doesn't happen overnight. You know, if you're committed to really creating the life in alignment with your soul and the highest version of yourself, it's, it's a, you know, it's a lifelong process, basically. (laughs) Well, exactly. We're in it till we die. But I think once you start on the the path, like someone, when you get some of the synchronicities happening and, you know, you start to seeing the impact on your life. It's just like you said, it's the most incredible journey and incredible adventure. Mm, it is. I, I was thinking about just even how I ended up doing um, this book. Like I was, I had no idea how to get a book deal. Um, everyone around me was telling me it was impossible. Everyone was saying that I should self-publish, but something in my soul was like, no, you're supposed to go for a book deal. I have that and as well. I was like, okay. And I, I had to check in and say, is this my ego? Is this my ego? Is this my ego? And I was like, don't think it is because I've self-published before yeah um I was like no I'm supposed like this something about this I'm supposed to work with someone who's going to help me to get the best out of me so I had no clue how I was going to do this but I surrendered to the idea that okay I'm just gonna you know I'm gonna start meeting people I'm gonna start talking to people I'm gonna do it that way I'm gonna talk to people who've done it before and what happened is I ended up connecting with so many people who have done a book before, mm-hmm. who I ended up being really amazing friends with, because I just said, I'm going to put myself in that space over and over again. And they ended up helping me saying, I'll introduce you to this person. We'll do this. This was the person that helped me with mine. I'm going to do this. So instead of thinking I had to muscle it myself, which is what I would have done before, mm-hmm. which is what I've done for so long before this, it was like, all of these beautiful angels would appear week after week and make my life a little bit easier or show me the way or show me the path. And all of a sudden, you know, it was like, uh, my book went out to 22 different publishers. And what happened is because I had met these different people, they were like, you know what, you should work with this person. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to send them an email. I'm going to send them a text. This is what's going to happen. And it was just like all of these beautiful things aligned. And the number one, one that I wanted was the first person to answer and say yes. Oh, fantastic. So because the other 21 said no. 
Um, <laughs> it was that you knew what you wanted and you got it. <laughs> exactly, but it would have never happened if I wouldn't have met all of these people and said, I'm going to surrender that it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it's going to happen. So instead of spending all my time on the internet and creating um, my proposal by myself, I waited. I waited until I like knew and was guided and had the people in my life who could just help me with all of it. And that's how I wanted it to turn out. And I was like, this is, I, until this happens, I'm going to let it be. So oh, that's such a beautiful example of really trusting that inner voice. And like, I love the way you checked in. Is this my ego? You know, <laughs> you know, like, nope, not my ego. And we have to. And that's one of the things that we're doing through these interviews, Laurie, is encouraging people to really, you know, we're all beautifully unique. And we all have a story that we can tell and a way of helping the world. We just have to kind of tune in to what our sole purpose is and effectively how we can use our journey and our story to help others. Oh, I love that. And it's, you know, just like how we were talking about how you started this podcast, because it's like a, a bit of a soul in it. You're like, am I supposed to? What is going on? <laughs> it's like, I was homeschooled through high school, like, and, and all of a sudden I get something that says, you're going to write a book. Like, you're going to do 75,000 words. Would have been like I, I don't write books. Why am I supposed to write a book? But you just have to have like I can't tell you how much that voice comes in, right? So right after you you probably said yes to your podcast, you're like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> really? I have no idea how to create a podcast. <laughs> Me talking to these people, like that's how I felt when I started mine. I'm like, what am I thinking? Like I'm a nervous wreck. Like I can't. What do I have to ask this person? My questions are going to sound so stupid. Like, and then you get done with the, your first podcast, right? With an amazing someone that you think is incredible, and you're like, "That was awesome!" Yeah. Oh my God, you surrender. It's like the questions come through, and you know what you're doing. Don't get me wrong. You can have those times where you just feel like you are losing it, and you are falling apart, and you're like, "What am I doing?" But then, it's like even that. If we can surrender to that, even that was meant for you to maybe understand what to do next time or what not to do or be more prepared or be less prepared or don't attach to the question so much allow yourself to flow more mm. there's so much beauty in the falling apart that mm. you can if you can understand the beauty in, in the rock bottom and the falling apart in the um you know hearing things that people say to you that you don't want to hear it's like there's so much strength and lessons in those things that all of the bad things are actually many of my best things. Mm. Oh yeah, you learn more through your failures, don't you, than probably through yeah. through your successes. <laughs> yeah, what are you doing during your success? You're like, go have a great dinner and maybe some champagne. Like you're not learning anything from that. Besides yeah. how good you taste. Um, but <laughs> yeah, but but I think you know, you know, all joking aside, for people listening, like it is a question of, you know really just believing in yourself you know if we can do it you know it's it's not easy but it is one foot in front of the other you know taking that first step whatever it is you feel called to do now is the time you know the planet needs you we are at a critical point in human existence you know we need to wake as many souls up as possible you know to shift this planet so yeah Oh, Laurie, I want to thank you so much for coming on Kitty Talks and sharing your journey with us. I know that people will have found it so valuable. Oh, thank you. I love it. And I love connecting with you and your audience. Mm. Amazing. I love that you followed your soul and <laughs> so that we could have this beautiful conversation and I could get to know you better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for people listening, you know, really take that step because it's so worthwhile. I get to meet amazing people like Laurie. Um, and we will have all her details in the show notes so you'll be able to find her, follow her and connect with her. But Laurie, thanks again for coming on Kitty Talks. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website. Become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.